Hello everyone and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines uh, with special guest today Mark Bertram from Newcastle United Pre-Academy uh, lead coach there. Um, today we're going to discuss uh, environments. Mark, thanks very much for joining us today on From the Sidelines. Um, can you just explain to everyone a little bit about your current role at Newcastle? Yeah, firstly, um, thanks for having us on, on guys. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, so as you mentioned, my current role is the, the pre-academy lead coach um, at Newcastle. So I'm responsible for uh, provision um, from our under sixes uh, through the through under eight. So they're like our, our pre-academy groups. Um, the way that works is uh, our scouting network brings in who we think are the, the most talented, the most talented players in the region. Um, they come into our uh, pre-academy centres, which we run on a, on a Monday and, and Friday at, our, at the club academy, and also have an outline centre at, at Durham. Uh, we put together a, a program, a training program, the games program for those players, um, which is is predominantly based around player development. So looking at ways of, of sort of um, developing them holistically. Um, and obviously that's with the aim of creating an, an academy group with the, the players that we think are at a level of of, of becoming academy players at, at under nines. Um, then I suppose the other um, facet of the job is to, to oversee our um, development centre groups from from nines to, to 14s um, and the coaching programme that, that they undertake. Um, so the, the, those age groups, obviously, we're looking for boys who we think can, can progress to the, the next level, which is going in on an eight-week trial and, and hopefully becoming an, an academy player at the end of that. Fantastic, Mark. Um, we're going to talk about um, the importance of changing the environment that we set uh, within our clubs to support player development. Um, how important is that, Mark? Do you think? I think it's 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 vital. It's really key. Um, I think it's about you know giving varied experiences and opportunities to the players. Um, I think in in years gone by, um, the 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 experiences that the kids have external little academies is 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 probably changed a lot. Um, I think back to my childhood when you know. It, seven plus I'd probably spend the full school holidays out in the back jail playing football um, playing in the streets using drains as goalposts using uh, the old saying of jump us for goalposts and playing against kids who were three four five years older than is um, and, and you would generally do that from uh, when the sun comes up when the sun went down uh, you'd run yeah. in for your dinner you'd, you'd grab your dinner and you'd, you'd be straight back out um, so I think those like informal learning environments that um, like for ourselves, probably experienced as kids is is not something that uh, that happens too much now. I mean, I I can't remember the last time I, I drove past a park and seen you know varied varied age groups playing against each other or, or playing in the mugger with the, the the fences around it. Um, so you're looking at ways for our program to sort of facilitate opportunities or informal learning opportunities like that. Um. So yeah, so I, I think it's definitely something that that we've been considering and something that we're trying to implement in, within within our program is to just create different learning environments which present different opportunities, different problems, um, and give the the boys um, experiences of, of of different things. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's it's massively important that you have a, a flexible a flexible learning environment whilst also maintaining certain things that are consistent. Um, so yeah, yeah, and you know, with with you mentioned experiences there, so experiences of different formats of the game. So if if we look at one v ones, two v twos, three v threes, four v ones, five v fives, the different outcomes that'll come out for the players playing them well getting them different experiences from them different formats within them environments the importance of that mark um well massive again really gary to be honest i think that the cornerstone of, of foundation phase players should be you comfortable dealing with 1d1 situations so we would we would call that like dual dominance um so being you know comfortable receiving the ball under pressure um being able to hide the ball and maneuver your way maneuver your way out of trouble um, so again, yeah, we would call that escaping, evading, and exploding. Um, so yeah, we we're putting the boys in in one v one situations as much as we possibly can. Um, like I said, I think dual dominance is the cornerstone of foundation phase players. You want them to be be comfortable in those situations, and then I think once you you know you, you you've hit that and you're comfortable that the boys are able to do that, then you start introducing additional players. Um, so it comes around, you start discussing things around like combinations. Yeah. Um, so two player combinations um can you share the ball with your teammate can you you know maybe pop it inside and play little one twos you understand how to create space for your teammate whilst they're in possession um and then the the, the complexity goes goes up as you start introducing more players because the you know there's, there's more decisions to be made um so yeah i think it's probably quite obvious as well that if it's you and your ball, 1v1, you're going to get loads of interactions with the ball, so you're going to get lots of opportunities to practice. I think when you go to 2v2, you're still heavily involved, um, I think, because every every action has a consequence on you. Um, and then as you start to introduce the numbers, obviously you, 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 the amount of touches you get on the ball, the amount of interactions that you have possibly goes, goes down a little bit, but I think at 5v5, you're still heavily involved in, in the game and what's going on. Um, so you talk about repetitions, uh, these smaller format, um, the these smaller format um, types of practices are, are really in, are really important for player development. Um, yeah, so our program will be will be heavily around one v ones, two v ones, two v twos, and building that up to, to sort of three v three, five v five. Yeah, in in obviously doing that not just within a within a training environment, but within a competitive environment as well. So trying to mix yeah. up the formats when the boys play against against either grassroots opposition or or the professional opposition. Yeah, and and, and as as these players develop through the age groups and they get the seven v seven, nine v nine, eleven v eleven, we've still got them one v one, two v two duels coming out in them games of higher numbers. So the development of the younger age group of playing these smaller formats is ultimately going to support their development moving forward as they go through the age groups, Mark. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like I said, I think um, especially with the younger ones, the, the 1v1 dominance is, is vitally important. I think no matter what numbers you play, you're always going to be faced up against someone. Yeah. Um, so the, the earlier they can make boys comfortable um, in one v one situations, the easier it's going to be for them is the is the transition through the through the numbers. Um, mm. I think probably in, in years gone by, we've been 
um, probably quick to try and race to 11 v 11. Yeah. And I think we, we need to understand that, that these are these are young, young, young players. Um, you know, we need to get the, the sort of the fundamentals right at the very start. Um, one one v one battles is, is is a big part of that. In order to, as you say, lay the lay the foundations for for moving through the the, the formats as they get older. Yeah, Mark, you, you mentioned that the, the overloads. Um, what's your thoughts on on, on the outcomes? And setting players in that environment where, yes, they're overloaded, but also setting up practices where they're underloaded as well to challenge them. Yeah, I think it, it's just understanding the different outcomes that you're going to get. Um, I think we, we do a lot of probably 2v1 overloads. So that thing around committing defenders, around the timing and disguise of your pass. Um, so being able to share the ball with the teammate. Um, the, the underloaded type stuff, um, obviously you're encouraged to stay on the ball and find a way. Yeah. So again, it, it's it's around understanding what outcomes you're going to get from different practices and, and mapping that with your intentions. So if your intentions in in what you want to achieve, um, you, you've got to find the right practice format to, to be able to do that. Um, I think the underloaded stuff is, is probably something that typically doesn't doesn't happen too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because generally we want success in the, in the work that we do, and it's obviously a lot easier for an attacker to play in a two v one situation than it is in the reversing of a, of a, of a one v two. Um, but if you if you're trying to develop creative players, which we which we definitely are, um, then you, you know facing them up with two defenders and, and asking them to find a way to be creative, to be players, to you know change direction. Um, Use the skills and, and tricks and turns to, to to find a way out. Then, you know, under, underloads definitely has has a place. Um, I think, as you'll know, guys, well, we have like underload overload festivals. So we'll set yeah. up games where um, each game will be three periods. You'll be underloaded for a period. You'll be overloaded for a period, and then you'll be matched up for a period. Um, so it's it's sort of creating those opportunities. Um, so when you're underloaded. Five against three, you might have to stay on the ball for longer. And when you're overloaded, you might sort of look to ways to to exploit the space and, and use combinations and pass round opposition. Um, so it's it's setting problems, setting problems, and then creating an environment where the boys are, are empowered to solve those problems with yeah. themselves, with a little bit of a a guide from the coaches. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think think yeah, from my underload overload festivals are good. Yeah, I think from from my observations there, Mark, it, it's that putting the players in that environment where how do they manage that game and how does their game change, whether they're a player up or a player down, uh, and, it, and it, it, it's it's observing, as you say, with a little bit of support from the coach on how they manage that themselves and come up with the come up with the ideas. Uh, and real, real interesting, and and I think really good for individuals and group development as a whole. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You'll, you talk around like um, individual tactics and, and team tactics at the, the youngest age groups. Um, I think when the boys are first put in those those environments, especially of being um, underloaded, so having three attackers against five defenders, though. 
they often find it difficult. It's not something they've been exposed to too much. And then I suppose our job as, as coaches is to, to support them with ideas of, well, actually, have you thought about maybe you're going to have to stay on the ball for a little bit longer and carry yourself because your mates won't be, won't be open or free to receive a pass. And then when they, when they kind of think, oh, yeah, I'm going to give that a go, I think you see, see some real positive outcomes, some real bravery and possession, some real problem solving, um, which, which is great. And then, you know, you, you put them in, in, in overloaded situations where, they, you know, they've got two extra players. You, you generally see, see, see them dribble, drive, commit and pass round players so that they're assessing the, the environment, they're making different decisions, um, they're, they're having to, to see pitches and then find solutions to the different pitches that they're seeing. Um, so yeah, just just manipulating the playing numbers actually has a really big impact upon mm. the solution. Yeah. Um, and if, if we can get players to, to recognise that when it comes to the, the, the matched up game where underloads and overloads happen naturally, they're able to almost decode the, the problem and, and, and find the solution themselves. So it's mm. yeah, loads of value to it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to come on to uh, size of areas and smaller pitches in in a, a little bit more depth shortly, Mark. But where does where does futsal come into this with creating different environments for for our players and creating that skillful player? I think that again, futsal's become more and more prominent within within our academy program over probably the last five five years. Um, so the boys now engage in a futsal training program, and then there's there's Premier League organised competitions where they'll they'll play against other professional clubs in in futsal tournaments. So I think that the the um, the, the, the technical side is, there's a light really shone on that, um, and that thing of being able to deal with the ball. Um, so you're playing in in tight areas with a harder ball that you you, you can't kick very far, so you have to stay on it and, and be skillful and and find a way of, of dominating duels. Um, so yeah, I think the the technical side of player development is is really at the forefront of, of futsal. Um, and, and like you said, creating more skillful players who are who are comfortable dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, you know if, if you you look at the more holistic picture as well, there's there's a lot of physical outcomes that arise from uh, from futsal as well. So it's a really fast paced game. Boys are having to operate it at a high speed. They're having to execute skills at a high speed. They're having to make decisions really quickly. Um, it can also get quite physical because you're doing a lot of protecting, shielding, and, and escaping. Um, so that they're learning how to use the the body, um, which is which is important as well. As well. Um, so yeah, so futsal. We we tend not to focus on specific futsal tactics. It, it's more just the, the technical side of stuff and, yeah. and exposing boys to, yeah, to having, having to deal with the ball and having to do things really quickly and skillfully. And and the last one for me before we we'll, we'll move on, Mark, was probably around adapting and changing the size of your areas to get the outcomes that you want to come out in your practice. Yeah. Um. So at the, in our pre academy, we we look at three sort of 1v1 tactics. We look at escaping pressure. Uh, we look at evading through through dribbling and running with the ball. And then we look at exploding, which is kind of running at speed. 
Um, so if I was if I was looking at maybe protecting, shielding, and, and escaping, I'd work in in small areas. I think they're going to get opportunities where they they end up with their back to the defender's chest, and they're looking at kind of manipulating the ball and and, and finding a way to to escape. Um, so that would be yeah tight tight areas. If I was looking at maybe evading through disguise or dropping the shoulder or tricks in in, in turns to go past a player. Um, would maybe make the area a little bit bigger so there was some space for them to work in. Um, and then if we're looking at, at exploding, so really running with the ball at, at, at speed, then they're going to need a bigger area to play on because uh, they're going to need to exploit those space maybe through big touches, um, your, your general running with the ball type stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll manipulate the space um, in order to get to get different sort of technical outcomes, if you like. Um, and then I suppose there's there's also a, a physical and a movement type um, outcome attached to that. Um, so if we're you know if we're, if we're playing games on tighter areas, we know we're gonna know we're gonna get a lot of using the body to protect and those sort of strength related physical outcomes. Whereas if we're playing on a on a bigger area where the boys are having to cover more space, then you know there's there's going to be an endurance element attached to that and also if we want them to, to be really explosive and explode with the ball then we'll, then we'll play fixtures on 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 bigger areas where they can really travel with the ball and, and get up to high speed so i think it's being really strategic with the areas that you use and planning for it and understanding the outcomes that you want to achieve and, and yeah. thinking about how you're going to achieve them yeah um absolutely that's got to be, like I say, strategic and, and planned um, and have sort of a rationale behind what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, just touching on the point that you made um, right at the start of, of our conversation around uh, a lot of structured football and not as much unstructured football uh, nowadays. Uh, we've seen a lot of publicity. Uh, through TV documentaries of late on the number of footballers in the professional game that have grown up playing cage football in the inner cities, in the estates in the inner cities. So, you know, with so much structured football now, are certain areas losing out with less unstructured football happening? And I suppose a good example of this um, would be Eze and Sahart, Crystal Palace, and where they had developed as young players. Yeah, I Cage football, it's, I mean, I think that's a cultural thing in London that, you know, that the young young boys and girls are out playing in the cages a lot. Um, I think if you, if you were to come up north, I think that's far less frequent. I just don't yeah. think we have that that culture here. Um, and the, those, in, those informal play type environments are, are crucial for player development. I think that's where that boys, girls probably feel they've got the, the freedom to to express themselves, the freedom to be creative, the freedom to try new things and, and, and experiment with new things. Um, yeah, and I suppose our challenge is, as a club, especially with our younger players, is to try and create or facilitate an environment that, that has the same freedom and opportunities to express and be creative within within our, our academy program. Um, I know for definitely our, our younger age groups, we, we take them external to the, the academy and we you know, we, we go and put them in, in cages and we play 4v4 and we, we, we try and create that feel and vibe and, 
informal buzz like feel that the, that they would do if they were just out playing with the mates, um, just to give them, like I said, those opportunities to you know try a rainbow flick over someone's head and and that to be celebrated or or pop the ball through someone's legs and and really celebrate that. Um, I went on a on a study visit to Schalke about a month ago, Gary, and mm-hmm. um, speaking with their foundation phase coaches, one one of the concepts that they really try to bring to life is this thing of recreating the streets. Yeah. So like a lot of their foundation phase phase work was was how do we bring the streets to to our environment, and it, their ideas weren't necessarily to do with anything sort of like. Um, like the physical properties of the academy, so it wasn't to do with having cages or or any of that type of thing. It was all to do with the, the feel and the vibe and the the environment that the that they had. So the you know they used a lot of music. Um, the, the coaches stood back a lot. Um, they had one v one, two v two duels happening with the rest of the players around the outside, and they really encouraged them to to celebrate skill. Um, so that thing of if. You know what it's like with, with kids. If someone pops the ball through someone else's leg, the players on the outside would really celebrate it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that, yeah, that, that how the players feel in in the moment. How to, you know, are you are you making them feel free? Are you making it vibrant? Um, so that feeling of being in the, in the cages or being on the streets and being with your mates and just having and having fun. Um, so it, yeah, we're, we're really trying to play around with with ideas and. You know, do things slightly different to, to bring the streets to to the to the academy. Um, I think you, you mentioned two names before, Wilfred Zaha and, and Eze. If you watch them play, they play free. Yeah, they play free. They're really skillful players. Um, but if you watch Zaha as well, he's he can be a bit nasty at times. He can be really aggressive. And I think those that sort of mentality comes from the cages where he yeah. might have been a 12-year-old yeah. playing against a 16-year-old. And if he wants to have the ball, he needs to fight for it. Yeah. I mean, he, he needs to battle and have that that, that sort of a, a aggressive approach. So, yeah, yeah your, your cage stuff's going to produce probably skillful players, but it's also going to produce a, a mentality and a, an approach mm-hmm. to football that's that's actually really important as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely something in that. Um, definitely something in that. Like, like I said at the very start, in, in years gone by, you would you would go down to the local park or to, to water activity dorm or, or, or whatever it may be, and there'd be kids playing continuously. Now I, I don't think those real informal environments uh, are, are, are so rife. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a challenge of, of football clubs to try and you know, replace that in a sense and give the players opportunities to do that when they come here. Yeah, it's I've got down here. It's creating that spirit of street football environment, isn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. Bye bye. And as you say, it might be a twenty p thirty mugger or cage, and they're playing ten v ten in there, and there might be some seven year olds playing against uh, sixteen, seventeen year olds, even a little bit younger. Um, but as you say, it's that. Dealing that environment of dealing with that psychologically and socially that they're playing with their peers or against their peers, but also their peers are st- standing around the cage cheering them on um, when they do well. Um, and I suppose making them making them resilient um, 
which will, you could argue, supported them. The two that we've described there supported them in their development through the age groups at uh, in professional football, Mark. Yeah, I mean, just touching on the social thing that you mentioned there, guys, I, I think there's there's probably nothing more powerful than seeing a peer do something and think, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. So when you're talking about your mixed age stuff there, if you've, you know, you've got seven-year-olds playing with 10-year-olds, then you would imagine that the 10-year-olds are going to do some things that the seven-year-olds aspire to be able to do. So I think that that's very, very powerful. Um, and just on, on that note, we, we sometimes do like mixed age games program type stuff. Um, so getting our under nines in with our under 11s um, and, you know, allowing them to see, oh, he can do that. I, I'm going to try and do that next time. And and on the flip side, those 11-year-olds taking responsibility for looking after the nine-year-olds and you get all that those social outcomes that are actually really powerful. Mm. Mark, do you think there's anything that we can do is is coaches coaches in the grassroots game that are that, that are listening in where we can create more opportunities for young players to thrive in in a more un, in unstructured environment that support what we've been discussing today yeah i, I mean I, I just think of the the winter time gary and you know if i, I know there's probably a, a shortage of, of indoor venues um available but know if that if that opportunity does arise then i think you know the old sports hall is is, is a great opportunity to do something yeah. a little bit different and uh, whether you get the futsals out in the sports hall um and, and do that across the winter rather than being outside where it's it's cold and, and wet and windy um so i think there's, there's definitely opportunities to explore um in the indoor type stuff um and i think it's a it's a case of like not not being afraid to to maybe go against the grain and, and do some smaller format stuff. I think mm-hmm. is you know, as soon as boys get to under nine and it's seven v seven, you generally just tend to see a lot of seven v seven. I think it's being brave and understanding that there's there's a lot of positive outcomes associated with with the three v three or two v two type type festivals that you you, you can maybe organise or, or do in house and um, playing around with with those underload overload type um, formats or um, you know, taking the boys down to down to the cages and and, and putting them in in those environments. Um, yeah. I think I think definitely the winter months is is maybe a great opportunity to explore um, to, to explore the different formats that we've that we've discussed. Mm. I may be showing my age here, Mark, but I, I can remember Walls End Boys Club when they had the indoor facilities down there and they had the balcony. And it was, you know, there was never a spare hour where you, you you couldn't get a game on there. But on the balcony, you would have parents, you would have other players stand observing whoever was playing. And, and that was a very similar environment that we're, that we're just discussing at the minute. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember playing down there a few times. It was so fast and the, the, the games were so quick. It, yeah. The players are constantly engaged. Yeah. Constantly en- engaged yeah. in what's going on. Um. And I think is as well the big thing as well, you know, you often often get you know, parents or, or even players or coaches who think oh, well, it's got to look like it's got to look like the Premier League on a on a on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a realization of these these kids are on Premier League players. 
they're still really, really young. They're at a completely different stage of development. So like, how does our environment help them at, at this stage and age? Yeah. Um, so what like what opportunities are we giving them and, and how do we do that? And I think definitely your cage type stuff where the coach can you know, just set up a 5v5 and maybe step back mm-hmm. and, and just celebrate the good stuff that's happening mm-hmm. and create that environment where mm-hmm. the players have got the opportunities to just go and play and be free and express themselves. And yeah, it's definitely, definitely something to look at. Mark, is there any other takeaway messages from our conversation today uh, around varied environments to challenge our players and develop them? Well, variation's key. Um, yeah. But I, I think that the big thing for me, Gary, is, is just um, understanding why you, what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. Um, so, like, if you pick a format, why you're playing that format? So what outcomes do you want to achieve um, in being strategic with that? Um, so we we'll, we'll map out our our full season with with different formats and understanding. So these are the outcomes that we want to achieve at this moment, and, and this is how we best think that we're going to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, the the variation, uh, making sure it's it's planned and strategic, and that our intentions are being actually realised through the formats that we're using. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, Mark. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for giving up your time today to chat with us on from the sidelines and hopefully speak to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, guys. Thank you.